0: Thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast is a ministry of Mountain View Baptist Church in Thomaston, Georgia. For more information about our church or services, please visit our website at mvbaptist.org. We sincerely hope you enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I tell you, folks, it's an odd moment. Right now, for me, I know that next Sunday is, you know, official Sunday and things like that, but to have this service in between all that, I sat and I talked with the Lord and said, Lord, I, I really want to know what to tell them. I, I want to know what to tell them. And, and I have just a couple of things I want to say before we, before we get into the, uh, the meat of the message. I'm afraid that's changing as we speak also. Um, how much, I've been here six and a half years, folks. I, I've been here a little while. I remember, you know, and I tell you all the time, Amy and I got here, and I said, you know what? I said, uh, Amy, they, these folks, they, they need to trust me. I said, I, I want them to know. I love them. I, I don't have any, I don't have any money. You know, when I first came here, I figured I'd be here a couple of years, and I'd, I'd go, and I'd be pastor somewhere, another church or something like that. I, I mean, I, I really did. I, I remember when he hired me, and Pastor Rex hired me, and we're going to go full circle in just a minute. When he, when he hired me, I assumed that. I'd be here probably two or three years, and I'd go on about my business, and God had other plans, but uh, I'm going to tell you something, guys. I, I realize you think, oh, goodness, somebody coming into a church that needs a pastor, that's, that's one thing, but uh, I realize the, the great responsibility of following a legend is tough. Okay, there's, there's not really, I, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I don't ever intend on, on filling those shoes. I'll tell you this, too, let me, you know, while, while we're talking about that, I, I want you to know uh, a little bit about my preaching and things, and I'm going to talk about, you know, uh, you know, just a little bit before, again, before I really get into the meat of this, I want you to know that I have a style that's probably different than anybody else, and they have a style that's different than me, but I, I, I want you to know something, guys. I, I've gotten a lot of advice along the ways, and one of, one of, those, uh, one of those things about me is I, I love stories. I love stories. And I get a lot of flack about telling a lot of stories, I do, from the, the purest in the world, you know, and everything like that, I, I do. But like, I want to read something to you, I got to, I got to look at this the other day, I don't learn easily, I don't. When I was in school, I, I was part of the bottom half that made the top half possible, amen, now, that's what I was. But uh, but I didn't, uh, I don't learn easily. And so sometimes what I need is somebody to, to tell me something, to, to, to relate something to me, to help me out, you know, and... I got to looking at Jesus and I, and I got to looking at his stories and I sure love the story of the waiting servants and I love the story of the the seeds and and the leaven. I love the story of the treasure. I love the story of the wheat and the weeds. I love the story of the sower and the seed. I love the story of the two builders. I love that story about the obedient servant and the and the great banquet. I love those stories and I love the story of counting the cost and and the barren fig tree and the ten virgins and I, and I love the story of the children in the marketplace and the place at the table. And I love that story about the good samaritan and the pharisee and the tax collector and the two debtors and and that was a good story about the two debtors and I love that story about the friend at midnight, and the father's good gifts, and the unjust judge, and I love that story about the compassionate employer, and the rich fool, and the rich man named Lazarus, and the unjust steward, and the king of the stewards, and I love that story about the lost and the found, and I love that story about that prodigal son. You see, folks, I, I do tell, I do, I know I do, and probably a lot more than than, than I need to, I, I honestly, but... Sometimes, man, it'll be one of those deep theological things and I'm just like, man, it sure reminds me of such and such. Sure, sure, and and Jesus was probably trying to get some of these theological things and, and, and out to folks. Sometimes and it's just like you know, it, it's like a farmer, or it's like a, or it's like it's like a woman looking for a treasure, or it's like I'm trying to convey something to you. I'm trying to teach you about the kingdom. It's like, and I know, listen, I know that I abuse that privilege of telling stories, but I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes it's just how my mind works, and sometimes I sometimes I go overboard, and and I and I'll, t- and I'll tell you this. I, I've gotten a lot of I've gotten a lot of advice since I've been here. I've been here almost seven years. gotten a lot of advice. I'm going to tell you about some of that advice. I'm going to give you some. Of, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give some of this back. And again, we'll get to this. This has been my advice, and I listen. I listen to every bit of it. and I try my best. I do. I try my best. Too fast, too deep, too shallow. Not enough yelling. Too much yelling. Love your stories. You got to drop the stories. Here, here, here's a, here's a. Uh, in the same sermon, somebody walks up to me and says, man, I'm serious now. They'll do it. I didn't get much from that one. Or they'll come up to me and say, that one really touched me. Same sermon. I'll get, drop the jokes. Drop the jokes. And then somebody will say, I love your humor. It breaks it up. It's the kind of thing like that. And let me, let me tell you something a little bit about that too, guys. I, I you know, I, I tell people all the time, I say, Ryan, you got to drop the jokes. You're just telling jokes. You just got to drop. Let, let me tell you about this, guys. Let me tell you, man. There, there's a difference, and Pastor Rex and I were talking about this the other day, and, and he said, Ryan, sometimes the people, you, you're talking about something so deep, you've got you to gotta break it up a little bit. And, you know, Pastor Rex does the Snoopy dance and all that, you know. That gets every, you know, that get. I just happen to tell a joke, you know. It's, it's the same. It still gets people, it gets, it breaks it up a little bit. And, and I get to talking about it sometimes. And somebody, like, oh, you got to, you got to, you got to drop the jokes. And then somebody will say, man, I really appreciate the humor and, and, and all of that advice. You know, Ryan, you got to have more Southern gospel. Ryan, you got to have more contemporary. Make sure we have bluegrass. Make sure you don't play bluegrass. Listen, I hope you build, I hope you build, a, I hope you build this. You better not build. that, Ryan, that's the best decision you could make. That is the dumbest decision you could make. And I promise you, every one of these I've, I've heard, I've heard. Listen, Ryan, we need quick change. Ryan, we need slow change. Ryan, we need no change. Ryan, you got to wear a lapel, mic. Ryan, you got to wear a head, mic. Ryan, I wish you'd preach more from the Old Testament. Ryan, I wish you'd preach more from the New Testament. How about KJV, ESV, and KJV? How about good preaching? that'll work. There you got to work on your preaching. No politics. Make sure you preach on politics. Small groups. We should have small groups. Better not have small groups. It's way too cold in here, Ryan. Do something about it. It's way too hot in here, Ryan. Do something about it. Same service. If you change this, I'm gone. If you, if you don't change this, Ryan, I'm gone. Same issue. You got to preach like that. This is the way you got to preach, Ryan. That sermon right there is the way you got to preach every week. If you preach that every week, people will come to this church. Don't ever preach like that again. Got to keep that guy in check. Make sure you keep your eyes on him. Make sure you keep your eyes on her. You don't have to worry about that one. Got a friendly, got a friendly church, Ryan? Ryan, you got to work on the friendliness of your church. You always doing this, Ryan. You're never doing that, Ryan. Let me promise you something. I can only be me. I can only be me. Okay, that's great. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Um, I want to say something to you guys. I, sometimes I'm going to, and I have changed what I'm, what I'm going to do tonight, and I'll try not to keep you very long, but I feel like it's what I'm supposed to do. I went to Amy and I said, Do you mind if I do this? She said, Of course not. Why would I mind it? Um, but uh, I'm going to step on toes sometimes, I'm going to yell sometimes. That's going to excite my people. I, because it's time to yell. I'm going to talk about politics sometimes. I'm going to talk about the things that are going in the world. I'm going to be in Revelation sometimes. I'm going to be in Genesis sometimes. I'm going to keep preaching the word of God. I'm going to preach as hard and fast as I can sometimes. But let me tell you something, guys. I, this, is what I mean, this is what I believe from the bottom of my heart. And I hope, I hope you understand and I hope you'll stick with me. And I hope, you won't, I hope you won't leave me and that kind of thing like that. But let me just say this. You, you're not supposed to have your foot on somebody's throat all the time. You know, that people are hurting you know, you, you, you put your foot on their threats, That's okay. You need to do that every once in a while. And I need it. I need it more than anybody, Matt. I need it more than anybody. But there are times when you've got to pick somebody up off the ground. You got to encourage them and help them, get them, get them going, and things, guys. And I promise you this, and I promise, I promise the old timers, I promise the newcomers, I promise all of you that I'll be in the Word every single week. I'll, I'll get in that Word. You can ask Chet. I try my best to take time away from everybody else and, and be strictly in that Word. I go home, I get in the Word. I come here, and I get in the Word. I promise you, I'll be in the Word. I promise you, I'll, I'll do my best to not bore you to death, but at the same time, I promise you, I'm going to give you what God gave me for the week. But here's where we're going. To, here's where we're going to go tonight. Just a, probably a couple of years ago, maybe maybe just a year ago. I'm not sure, and I'm not going to give the full the full gambit because I don't think it's necessary. But I'm going to tell you how I got here. I'm going to tell you. I'll be preaching next week from the Book of Acts, and actually that was a Revelation sermon right there. But uh, I'm going to tell you my testimony. But uh, only my Sunday school has heard most of the, you know, the the testimony. I want to tell you how I got here, all right? And if, if if at some point you need to leave, I understand. I'm going to try to get done in a, in a record time, hopefully. The first memory I have of religion, the first memory I have of religion is actually about four or five years old. And my grandmother, I know she took me to church and all, but I, I remember, and I know there'll be people watching this who, are, who go to the church that I'm going to be referring to an awful lot, Antioch Baptist over in Yatesville. First, Four or five years old, my first recollection of of, of religion. And my mother, my mother suffered from, uh, uh, and still does, from a condition, paranoid schizophrenia. And it is awful. It is awful. It is awful. Right now, my mother, and I'll cry a lot. I cried a lot then. I'll cry a lot now. My mother, um, every day, every single day, she is tormented by voices that are cussing her out. They're telling her all kinds of awful things. This Baptist boy believes it's demonic. I but at the same time, I look at her and I know I know there was a time when she gave her life to Christ. All those things—it's such a it's such a battle for me. I, it's such a battle, but every day she suffers. But when I was four or five years old, I really didn't really know what was going on. Back then, in the '70s, any kind of depression drug or anything like that—it was psychotropic. It was—it 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 just messed with you. It destroyed things inside of you. I mean, it really did. It wasn't—they tried their best. There was shock therapy. There was all these other things that they would do back then when they didn't have any way to treat anything like that. So. But I was four or five years old, and I remember, I remember walking. We lived in the housing project over on Gordon Road in Lamar County. And uh, I can remember the rooms. I mean, I can remember walking. I remember walking out of my room, and I saw my mother. My mother sent money to all of these TV preachers. I mean, whatever money she could get. She sent it to these TV preachers, and she was begging them to heal her. I'm sorry. But anyway, so I would walk and I'd hear my mother crying out to God, crying out to him, sending this money. And I'd see these TV preachers with all these letters. And as I grew up, it got I got pretty ill and frustrated with it. But you see all these letters, you know, hey, we're receiving your letters. We're praying over all your letters, and she would send her money and she would pray, and she would pray, and she would pray. I didn't know what she was praying about. She tried trying her best to raise me. I was a little boy. I remember, I remember I'd go in, she had this long brown hair, and I remember brushing her hair and all those things. She was a, she was a good mama while she, could, while she could be. I remember thinking to myself, i go to Sunday school at this age. My grandmother would take me to Sunday school, and the, and the thing that would say is, Jesus can do anything. Jesus couldn't do anything. He was healing the blind man. He was healing the lame man. He was was healing the demoniac. He was healing all these things. And my mama wasn't getting any better. So I keep going to this church. And as I got older and older, you kept hearing this and you kept hearing this. And especially when my mama went to a Pentecostal church and such. They're like, hey, look, oh, you know, Jackie, that's her name. Jackie, all you got to do is believe just a little bit more. And, you know, the the reason you're like this is because you won't believe. So I kind of grew up through that culture, you know, and everything. And I, I, I mean, listen, in all honesty, I just didn't know. I mean, I would go to church some, but I was in church probably twice a year, you know, It's didn't it was not a big deal. When I was eight years old, I saw, a, I saw a, a movie about the rapture, it scared me to death. You know, I was like, oh my goodness, eight years old. I went home, I said, granny, I want to, I want to get saved. And so I remember she sat me down, I got on my knees and and I, I can remember it today, you know, I, I, I remember getting on my knees with her, and Mama was still just, just, just able to really just keep a grasp on reality. And so they prayed with me right there, you know. Uh, you know and I, I realized that that was, that was that moment, you know. Probably about, you've you got to realize too, and, and if, uh, if my dad's watching this, I'm going to be, you know, just tell you what, what the deal was. My dad and my mom separated. He was in the Air Force when I was nine months old, so I didn't even know who he was until he, I was about eight. So he came into my life at that point. And at this point, my mom is in terrible, terrible shape. And so dad, you know, um, I'm eight years old. So I I go to live with him for three years. Um, And we we just, you know, it was tumultuous, you know, trying to all of a sudden they have a family. It's kind of tough and everything. So at 11 years old, 11 or so years old, I end up back with my mother's. And by this time, my mother is, I have no rules. Listen to me, guys. I have no rules at her house because she can't function for herself, much less me. She can't, I mean, she she can't have rules, she tries, but I mean, at 11 years old at this point, I'm pretty much, and, and, and let me let me tell you a little bit about this, and I'm not trying to pour mouth. I'm not trying to make you feel sorry about I'm I mean, really not, because a lot of you have had similar or tougher stories, but I just would tell you this, we, we. I mean, literally, I could go to the refrigerator at the projects, and all we had, and I told Sunday School this, and I told some of you, but I go there, and all we had was that block of government cheese that you could slice off and put on bread, and make a grilled cheese, Or or I had that. That nasty, crusty peanut butter, government peanut butter. I mean, nowadays they can do a whole lot better, can't they? But I mean, back then, it was just chunks that come out of there. And there were a lot of times that that, and maybe a little bit of milk or something, some potatoes, because my mama could make the best fried potatoes, but it was like she she we we go there, and I, and I remember my mama was still trying. She'd go, to, she'd go to the hospital. I'd stay with my grandmother for a little bit, and she'd go to the hospital, and, you know, these psychiatric hospitals, and she'd get out. And every time she got out, I had less and less rules, less and less rules. I'm going to tell you, the, the miracle of having me stand here, guys, I just don't, and I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to keep going, I'm going to keep going. But I would go. I would go into that refrigerator sometimes, and she would try to go work with this lady that was cleaning houses. And she say, she say, uh, and we would sit there. It was so neat. And I can remember it t- today. But <sighs> picture, if you will, a little round table in the middle of a dining room, if that's what you want to call it. Their concrete floors are tile back then. I don't know if they still are in the projects, but they're tile, and just those uh, VCT kind of thing, and. We're sitting there in this table, and so what we would do is we knew that she would make $15 that day. Back then, I think minimum wage was like $3, $2.75, something like that. Maybe less, I don't know, but she would make about $15 that day. And so she and I would, instead of having a wish book for Sears, (laughs) we would decide what we were going to eat. She used to get those food stamps that were colored food stamps, you know, that nobody wanted to use. She'd get those. And... uh, she was a good mama. She just couldn't do it. But anyway, so we would, I'd say, okay, I want a box of cereal. And the problem with me is I was a growing boy, so it was like a box of cereal was a couple of meals. I wanted a box of cereal, so that'd be my supper, my lunch, or whatever until it was gone. And then, we'd, you know, she'd try to go work for another $15. But at 13 years old, my mother, my mother kept... Um, an alcohol listen and those of you who drank alcohol know this is nasty but Canadian mist and she would keep that stuff in her cabinet and I was thirteen and my buddy was eleven when we started drinking. And so we started drinking and when we started drinking, we started drinking that stuff. We didn't I mean there was no beer in the house, it was liquor. And so we started <laughs> folks saying, I ain't coming to church next week. <laughs> but anyway, so at 13 years old, 11 years old, what we knew, and, and guys, I, I tell this to Sunday school all the time, I'm not saying, I mean, I, I, you know, who knows, probably right now I couldn't fight my way out of a wet paper sack, but I can tell you back then what we loved to do was drink, fight, drink, fight, drink, fight, drink, fight. But at 13 years old, man, and then my buddy was 11, my buddy was 11, he'd come over to the house, man, and he'd stay a couple of days and we'd, we'd drink on that alcohol and we didn't have, we didn't have any, no rules, no rules. I'm going over so-and-so's house. She just wait. Mama stayed in the bed. And you know why? I didn't know then. She'd get the law called out there all the time. She'd, she'd think people on the other side of the wall were hollering at her and calling her names when it was all in her head. She called the police out there and the law out there and all that. Kept drinking, 14, 15 years old. 14, 15 years old, we got into the beer because you could get the guys to get you the beer. I mean, in all honesty, you just had some friends that were old enough to get the beer, they'd get you the beer and... We'd drink that beer and we'd go out and we'd fight. I mean, it's just, just what you did. My buddies, some of them be mellow. I was never mellow drunk. I was fighting drunk. That's just, it was, it was awful. I never could be fun. But I'm going to tell you something, guys. I, the Lord somehow, you know, a couple of, couple of times a year I go to church and I just feel something. I mean, I, mean, I would. And I'd want to be that guy. I'd want to be that Christian guy. And then I'd get off, and man, none of my friends lived that. There were a couple of them, but not not many, man. I, it was just, And it was just who you're hanging around or whatever, you know, and I'm trying to do my thing. 15 years old or so. And, and I, I, still have my own rules. My mama goes. Finally, my mama goes off to a hospital. They let me stay at the stay at the uh, the projects by myself. So I'm staying there for weeks at a time by myself, fending for myself. People bring me food or whatever like that. Dad was trying to help her a little bit as he could with you know a little bit of money and things, and and uh, so we were trying to get through. But man, I, ha- I had no rules. And I can just, let me let me just let me just tell you something, folks. God got to grab hold of you. God will grab a hold of you at some point. He hadn't yet in my life one of the story I'm telling, but he'll grab a hold of you sometime and he'll, he'll start shaking you a little bit and say, hey, I, I know you, by the way. You keep doing what you want to, but I got a leash on you. You keep running all you want to run, but I got a leash on you. I got to be about 18 years old, and this is where I don't know. Everybody just panic and leave, but I, I just I, I felt like God told me to do this, so I'm going to do it. All right? Because, hey, next week, we're we're on, you know? You decide to leave. You decide to leave. But I, uh, about 17, 18 years old, I started dating a girl and uh, cared about her a lot. But she and I just didn't live like we should. We just didn't. She liked guys. I liked girls. Just the way it was. Had my first son, my oldest son, Tyler. The pharmacist. The mess up there was, I didn't know if Tyler was mine. I just didn't. And, and people can argue that, and people who watch this can argue this or whatever. But I just didn't know, and, and she and I both were not living for Lord, I can promise you. She had decided she was dating this other guy. She had decided she was you know going to marry him, and she married him, and he took his last name. When when Tyler and I started really, and it wasn't long after, but but when Tyler and I started getting really close, and that was trying. I'm gonna have to back up in just a minute. Early 20s, and I'm trying to work this. Probably 22 or so. I'm trying to work it out with my oldest son. You know, and it's working out good. It is my wife. I mean, they just like a mother to him. I mean, it might as well be his. Maybe his mother, his wonderful mother, but. For both of them, they're just wonderful mothers for him, but listen to me carefully. We, uh, I'd go to the soccer games. And I'd go to the football games. And I'd sit there, I'd be rooting him on. <laughs> and here's, listen to me. When I, When I preach, I want you to understand something. I don't preach as a man who doesn't know what he's talking about. Now, I don't say that everybody needs to go through stuff. I I don't. I don't. I don't say that. But I, I, I preach as a man who's been through it. Okay? So I'm sitting there and I'm watching the football games, the soccer games, and they call out, Tyler, Young, and every time. I'd have to relive my sin. The devil, let me tell you something. I think I don't know what song it was, but somehow the devil whispering. The devil doesn't whisper. Sometimes, every once in a while. What the devil does, Theo, is the devil says, Ha! Look at you! Tyler just recently bought a couple of pharmacies. Tyler and I love each other with all of our hearts, but Tyler just bought a couple of pharmacies, and it's so weird. You know, people come in there and they, they try to, they try to, and, and I, he should never have to try to explain all of this. They say he's your dad. What's the deal with this and this? And he, but man, I would sit there at those games and I would hear, I would hear that over and over again. And that wasn't a big deal to all the other families. But for me, it was like, I was sitting there going, what this is, you know, I got to relive this every time. But here's what I want to tell you about that. Let me tell you, let me tell you a story about that. There are a hundred stories in between here that I'll probably share, but let me tell you something about that. Your choices have consequences. My, my choices have consequences. You, you, you say, "Well, God forgave me." Yes, of course. Listen, I've got a fantastic relationship with my son. We love each. We're texting and calling all. We love each. But listen to me. For, for listen, listen to me. Everything I do has a reaction to it. Everything that I do has a reaction and and these reactions that happen as a result, I need not say, God, you forgave me. Why am I still going through this? Listen to me. David was forgiven for what he did in the Bible, but understand he suffered the consequences of his decisions. Now, you say, oh, that ought to be all gone too. You're free from those. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yes, of course, I am free. I have been forgiven. You don't have to convince me of that. You don't have to come afterwards. And, Man, I'm, I'm with you and you got to realize you're free. Of course, free. And I will tell that I will get in the devil's face about being forgiven. But it doesn't change the fact that I still have to pay an earthly price for decisions I made along the way. Now, let me back up just a little bit. So my first year of college, this is where God comes in. <laughs> I still am not living for him after this event, but I go to Georgia Southern. I, I know I'm taking too long, but y'all just, just hear me out. But but I, I go to Georgia Southern my first year and uh, away from home, I don't have any money. I don't have anything like that, but but we did have alcohol. We had plenty of it. You know, people just provided for each other, that kind of thing like that, and uh some people tell me all the time, they'll say, oh, my kid's going off to Georgia Southern. and I nearly fall out. Chris Hilly graduated from there. Didn't you graduate? No, you, did you? Yeah. Y'all can see. He's drunk. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. Probably was then. He's not now. Okay. But, but, but uh, I just threw him under the bus to get you off me. Okay. Yeah, that's right. He'll get me later. He's already told me that once. All right, but guys, 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 hear me on this. Hear me on this. All right, so I was uh, at Georgia Southern, and we were going down to uh, we're going down to Savannah for St. Patrick's weekend. That was a big deal. We got down there, I had friends there, were taking drugs and stuff, and they said, "Hey, whatever you do." And this is them talking to me. I'd just been drinking. They said, "Whatever you do, don't don't talk to the religious people." I said, what are you talking about? Because I'd been in church. I knew church. And I said, like, what are you talking about, man? I was from Barnesville, Georgia. They said, don't talk to those religious people. I said, uh, don't talk to the religious people. What are you talking about? They said, I'm telling you, it'd be the worst thing you ever do if you go down there. Now, they were talking about, to their friends who had taken these drugs and stuff, okay? And uh, so we got down there, guys, and I can tell you, they had paid this, uh, this, this, this homeless man to dress up like a leprechaun. And they would given him so much alcohol, he was so drunk. They stuck him up on top of the Budweiser truck that was parked across the thing there. They stuck him up on there. He was laying there with his arm off the side of it. I walked around there and I felt so out of place. I mean, for the first time in my life, I was around a bunch of I I felt so out of place. This wasn't the right place. I'm telling you, this happened. This, this, This happened. There were people there preaching the gospel. I don't know if they're still allowed to, but back then they were allowed to. They had a table set up. Let me tell you what this table is. It it's just an old white table like we have back in the back, a little white table. And there were people there with the Bibles. And they, they had them in their hands, and they were, they were just reading about it. They weren't those guys. You know, there are those guys who scream and holler at you to do this, but these guys were not like that. They were pleading with their people. They were pleading with their people. You know, please, don't do this. this is, they were pleading. And I remember I went by, I had, I had somebody with me, and I, I was standing there, and I was listening to these guys, and I just stopped at table. Why did I stop at their table? Not to mock them, I mean, I didn't have any, I just wanted to hear what they had. And he started, well, listen, listen, this, this is this is what happened, I can promise you, because it is one of the, it didn't, it didn't change overnight, but it is the pivotal moment. He said, uh, he had his Bible, and they had thrown so much beer on him that their eyes were bloodshot. They had kept trying to wipe their eyes and that just burned even more burnt their eyes just burning they, ladies too they threw beer all over them. all over them. just throw it all over them. their their eyes they were crying from all the stinging and stuff but i remember the guy looked up and maybe he'd said this to a hundred people but it got me he looked up and it was like he saw his brother he looked up and he said to me, He said, What are you doing here? I backed up. All of a sudden, from out of nowhere, the guys I had been riding with came running and grabbed me. He said, We told you not to talk to those religious people. This sounds weird, but that's exactly what they said. So I'm turning around, I'm watching him as I go by, and he keeps asking the question, What are you doing here? Haunted me all night. Haunted me all night. Why in the world did he ask me that question? Maybe a hundred people. Maybe you can say that, but I don't believe it. I believe the Spirit of God had him there that night for me. You say, Ryan, was the next day, were you clean? No, 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 no. No, I wasn't clean the next day. As far as alcohol was concerned, I wasn't. But that kept beating me in the head. Amy and I met the next year at Mercer, and I wasn't a drinker then. That's the process. I had stopped drinking. I still drank a little bit, but not like I was drinking to get drunk or anything. I I was still drinking. And and, and Amy and I met, and we said, and, and who knows why? We said, you know what? We ought to go to church. Yeah, that's what we ought to do. That's what every couple thinks. We ought to go to church. Went to a place called Mabel White down in Macon, and we kind of got into that a little bit, a little bit, and uh, that was that was good church. It's over there on Eisenhower, and we got we got to go in that going to college. It was all very confusing to me, and we were learning all that. Before you know it, we're 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 dating, and we're we're thinking about marriage, and we get married, and all that good stuff. And 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 I'm still hey, listen, my my thing was come home in the afternoons, grab me a plate of bacon and a beer, and watch the Braves. That bacon and beer and Braves, three Bs. All of it bad for me, including the Braves, because they always, always lost. Back then, they were pretty good. But. but I remember she and I were trying to find a church. We were trying to find a church, and we found Antioch Baptist, because I had gone there as a kid. And I walked into Antioch Baptist, if they're listening now, if they're listening now, I walked into Antioch Baptist, and Amy and I walked in there after we are married. And again, there's 100 stories in between all this, but we walked in there, and we found home. Within a year there, there were some older people in the church, and actually two of them were sitting here at a funeral yesterday that I was uh, was performing. It was so neat. but There were three men in the church who came to me, and they said, Ryan, you're called to preach. And I said, you're crazy. They said, no, 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 you don't understand. You can can fight it all. They were from a Pentecostal background, but they were going to a Baptist church. They said, the Lord's told us. The Lord's told us you called to preach. He said, you probably need to go on and give your testimony and go and get started with all this. And I said, no, nah, that won't be happening. So eventually over time, within two years, I was preaching my first sermon. There at church, Pastor Jeff Morgan left off. He said, listen, I'm going to be gone. You're going to preach your first sermon. It was awful, just like most of my sermons, but it was awful. <laughs> but, it, it, but I remember, folks, listen to me. Listen to me. I, I was... I said, well, this is something else, and I got to preaching, and I'd preach, and I'd teach, and I'd work in construction, and God, the whole time, was doing something with me. You think, he should have just stuck you in a church. No, 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 he was doing something with me. I, I was learning, I was learning field, I, I was growing, I was teaching, I was preaching, I was going somewhere. Then I end up, then I end up over at Rock Springs, and at Rock Springs, they ordained me, and in ordaining me, they teach me, and they train me, and all these different things. You're thinking, Ryan, they should have put you in a church somewhere, all these different things. Let me tell you what's happening, all this. Finally, listen, and I'm still, I'm so involved in politics, and again, there's a hundred stories in between, but let me tell you how I got to Mountain View, okay? We're going we're gonna to sum this all up, and we can just fill in the blanks as we go, but listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. I was so in pot, I said, 2012, I said, I'm running for office. Now, my life, is, my life is totally different at this point. I'm in church, I'm preaching, I'm teaching, all that. I I'm running for office. 2012, I ran against Johnny. I didn't have a lick of money. Might as well have been in the projects. Might as well have been on the projects. I didn't have a lick of money. I didn't have any contacts. I didn't have anything. I said, "I'm running for office. I'm gonna do it. I want to do this." And listen, I, I tried. I went to all the rotaries and all the all the kawanas and all this stuff and talked to them all, like that kind of stuff. And I remember Amy just hated it. Oh my gosh, she was like, "Please, I'm gonna help you all I can, but I hope you lose." Now show me. <laughs> but but she may have voted against me. I don't know. I I don't know. But 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 here was the thing. I had Christians coming to me. You're called to preach. Please don't go into politics. We're not sure we're going to vote for you, Ryan. We're just not sure we're going to do it. Not because you wouldn't be a good one, but because we don't want you to go up there and get corrupt. You're supposed to preach. Just keep telling me that. Keep telling me that. I said, guys, maybe God's called me to this. Maybe God's called. And I keep running. I kept running. I kept running. The night of the election, I saw the numbers were tight. I prayed to the Lord. and I said, Lord. I said, uh, "If I'm gonna lose this thing, help me to lose close." I said, "My kids have worked so hard. My kids have worked so hard. I mean, they were they were kids, but as hard as they could work, you know, they'd tell their friends, they'd tell everything." I said, "If I'm gonna lose this, I know what you want from me. You want me to preach." I've always dreamed of being in politics. And I wanted to do something about it. But if, you, if I lose, I'll know what you want from me. And I promise you, I'll turn away from it. But don't let me get embarrassed. Don't let me get embarrassed. Lassen came and it was, it was really, really close. And finally he did win, I think from, I don't know, 370, 380 votes for three counties. He beat me. I was okay. I was sick for a little bit. Amy didn't want me down though. She was like, no, you better keep your attitude up because that was a dream of mine. That was a dream of mine. I remember I had to go back to Rock Springs. It was a real political place. I mean, they had politicians there. We had to go back there after a loss. And Dee McElroy had been supporting me. All them, all those guys had supported me with all they could. I mean, out of the, out of the few people who would give, actually give me money, Dee was one of them, and he, he supported me big time. I went to Benny, and I said, Benny, um, I need a church. We went riding together. He said, Ryan, I'll stick you down at the making campus. They had a making campus down. He said, I'll stick you down at the making campus. I said, he said, but the problem is you need to preach. He said, down there, you know, the preaching will come through on, on, the, on the internet and all and, and recording and it'll be me. You'll just be handling the staff there and everything. He said, you need a church. I said, I said uh, I'd really like to preach at a Baptist church. I said, that's where I was called to preach. That's where the people told me I was called to preach. I'd like to preach. That's my doctrine. He said, well, you know, 85% of the people here are practiced and they are. He said, Ryan, I got three churches. He said, I got three churches. He said, all of them got about 300 members and they all need a pastor. I'll send you one tomorrow. And I said, "I said, yeah, but they're all, they're all congregational methods. I said, I don't have anything against them. I said, but I want to I preach. I want a I Southern Baptist church. He said, I understand. I started sending out my resumes. I've shared this with you. I'm getting quick and I'm, I'm throwing a lot of details out so you can get on to your home. I sent out a lot of resumes out. They wouldn't even listen to me. They wouldn't even interview me. I, not, I didn't get one single interview. They kept sending back letters saying, you're not what we're looking for. They did not even heard me. You're not what we're looking for. I didn't have the pedigree they needed. I got a couple of those letters. I did. And I remember getting those letters, and man, I, I just kind of set them off to the side. And I said, okay, Lord, you, you're going to have to figure this out for me. We're coming out of, we're coming out of 830 service at Rock Springs and Rodney and Tiffany Blunt, they come up to me and said, hey, you know what? I said, what? They said, the pastor the associate pastor over at Mountain View, he just left. I said, what? I, and I jokingly said, tell Rex, I'm interested. She and I, Amy and I walked off laughing and Walked off laughing, and we uh, didn't think anything about it until that night when Rex called. Rex said, "Hey," he said, uh, "I want you to come over here and talk to me." I said, "Sure." Walked in the door over there. Mark Baggett was in there, and he was sitting in there with Rex. And Chet came slipping in for a minute or two, but I was, I was sitting in there with Rex. And, and the first thing he asked me, he says, "Hey, you want to be a youth pastor?" I said, "No." He said, no. I said, no, no. Not what God's called me to do. I mean, I knew that. I knew that. I said, guy's not calling me to be a youth pastor. I said, but here's, here's what I told him, though. You say, well, you're looking at a gift horse in the mouth. No, 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 no. I knew what God had told me. I said, uh, I, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you interviewing me. We, we went through like, I don't know, an hour-long interview. Is that right, Mark? By an hour-long interview. I said, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you interviewing me. I said, nobody's even giving me a shot. I said, here I am over at Rock Springs. He'll hand me a church, and I can't, even, I can't even get any of the Southern Baptists to give me an interview because on my resume, it says I'm at Rock Springs, a Congregational Methodist church. He said, you believe the Bible, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, that's all I want to know. He said, are you sure? Are you sure that... uh?" You don't want the youth pastor position. I said, I'm sure, but thank you very much. No, because I was ecstatic. I was happy. Look, do you realize, guys, listen to me, listen to me, that he had taken a young man who wanted to do nothing, but, hey, listen, there's still times that I want to drink and fight. The devil get on me. I just soon slap you. But the Lord, the Lord, he takes somebody like that. I got a call later on because he told me, he said, we already got somebody for the position that you're wanting. I said, okay. I said, I get it, man. I said, but I'm so happy. This is the beginning for me. I said, I promise you that. I'm going to get some more Southern Baptist interviews because you interview me. Thank you very much. Well, I started to go out. Mark said, keep your phone on your side. And I, I kind of laughed. I said, okay, I'll keep my phone on my side. Later on, I don't know if it's next day or whenever the deacons met or whatever. They called and said, listen, we're going to hire both of you. I said, Okay. I had a trip to Africa. I said, listen, I got to go to Africa first. I said, but as soon as I'm done with that, I'm coming to Mountain View. And that's when I started. I got back from Africa and I came to Mountain View. Six and a half years later, there's there's sometimes I still feel like that five-year-old boy. And I got questions just like you do. I got questions just like you. But what God did is he got me in that word. And he got to teaching me. And he said, Ryan, you're the kind of guy I want to use. The rest of the world throw you to the garbage. And they'll say, and listen, there may be somebody in this room that just says, no, I can't sit under that. But let me promise you this. God took me and transformed me. Turn me into a new man. He said, look, you may have been what you were then, but that's not what you are now. You may have been dirty then. Amen. So guys, when people tell me this, you say, listen, can you fill in this detail? This day some other time, some other time. But let me tell each and every person in this room. I don't think I'm perfect. I I never have thought I'm perfect, but I know God's perfect. And I'm going to keep preaching that these little five-year-old boys that are going through garbage, these five-year-old little girls, that God can use them one day. That God can use them one day. And I'm going to keep teaching the adults, and I'm going to keep preaching, and I'm going to keep studying, and I'm going to keep fighting, and I'm going to keep building, and I'm going to keep doing all these things through, because I believe God's given us the vision to go forward. I think he has, folks. And I'm going to tell you this. I'll give it all I got. I'll give it all I got. I can't i can not be Rex. I can't be Kugler. I can't be Benny Tate. I can't be any of those people, but I'll be Ryan. And I promise you this, folks, and then we'll pray. I promise you this. I'm going to love you. Amy and I are going to love you. We're going to love you through your garbage. We're going to love you through your good. We're going to love you in good times. We're going to love you in bad times. And I promise you, I promise you, I'll do everything within my power to protect this pulpit and to protect this church. Let's pray. Let's pray. As our musicians come. As our musicians come, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. And God, you know, you know what you've had to do in me. You know what you've had to do in me. God, you've done it in a whole lot of people and I give you praise for that, Lord. You've you've saved souls and you've saved people and you've used them in a mighty way and I thank you, Lord. I thank you so much, Lord. And I know there's some people in here shocked and all those different things like that. And I don't know where that ends up, God, but I can tell you this. You know my heart, God, more than anybody. You, you know it best. You know it best. You know the inner workings of my heart. You know it's all yours. It all belongs to you. You know that. And God, I just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for it. I preached a lot of times, God. I preached in a lot of churches, Lord. I preached at a lot of conferences. I've done all that. But God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you took me through the trials of Hard Knocks. You took me through the school of Hard Knocks. I thank you, Lord, that I've been through that. But I thank you, Lord, that I made it through because of you. And I, God, I just ask you in the name of Jesus, Lord, to bless Mountain View In spite of me, Lord, bless Mountain View and allow it to grow and allow people to be saved and changed and transformed and moved and rearranged. God, help them, Lord Jesus. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. And we thank you, Lord, for all you have in store for Mountain View. We thank you, Lord, for all you have in store for your people, for the revival that's on its way. God, we give you praise. We give you glory and we give you honor. In the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. What a wonderful and inspiring word we've just heard. It is our prayer that our Lord has richly blessed you through this message. Please join us next time for another message from our pastor. Until then, may you find hope and peace through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior.